For the last several years, I have worked very hard at attempting to lose my southern accent. And I've done that not because I'm embarrassed of having been born in Texas and raised in Oklahoma, well, maybe the Oklahoma part, but primarily because for a lot of people, a southern accent has, it it communicates ignorance. It it communicates simplicity. And and I don't like that uh, about myself. I don't like that that it communicates that to a lot of people. So I've worked to, to lose that because I like to think of myself as being very educated. I, I, I pursue knowledge. In fact, I don't mean to brag, but, but whenever I was in college, I did take the same math course four straight years. <laughs> because, and I really wish that that was a joke, but it's not. I, I, I value education. And I know that a number of you do. I, I've met so many of our members that, that have careers or had careers in the education field. And we pursue that because we, we believe that there is a certain foundational knowledge that, that whenever you have it, it shapes your life. It informs every decision that you make throughout your life if you have this certain foundational knowledge. If you've ever been to a place like the Grand Canyon, you may have felt some of the anxiety over just the, the vastness of that area and, and how steep some of the slopes are. And maybe if you were there with family, you were even afraid that they were going to fall. And, and it's a, a, a pretty rational fear because there have been uh, uh, around 800 deaths since the mid-1800s, around 12 a year. And most of those are accidents. But what is kind of sobering is that it's not, not the children that are at the greatest risk of falling in the Grand Canyon. The greatest risk factor for falling in the Grand Canyon or having some kind of accident is being a male. Because there is something about being a male that leads us to ignore certain foundational truths that can lead us to making some poor decisions. We can ignore something like gravity. And that it, it actually has an effect on a human body. Well, Paul is writing the letter to the Colossians because he does not want them to make that kind of a mistake. He says that, that there is this foundational knowledge that, that you need. And, and the, the city of Colossae, they are pursuing knowledge. But they have built this elaborate system of of what knowledge is. They built this elaborate religious system of of how you get access to God. And Paul is writing and saying, you don't need all of that. What you need is really, really simple. It's Jesus Christ. The first 14 verses or so, Paul is reminding them that simple has power. Simple works. And then picking up in uh, verse 15, he's going to shift and remind them of what the simple gospel is. 
If you have your Bibles, you might want to open up there and read along with me. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, And were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, He has reconciled you to Christ, by Christ's physical body, through death, to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the gospel that they have heard from Epaphras. This is the gospel that Paul has been proclaiming since he first met Jesus. And in this simple gospel, there are two truths. First is that Jesus is the Lord of creation. In verse 16, Paul writes and says that in him all things were created. In Christ, all things were created. And all things that have been created through him and they're created for him. The author of Hebrews says that the Son is an exact representation. Of God. John in his gospel, the first verse says that in the beginning was God, and or in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, whenever you talk about Jesus, you are talking about God. Whenever you talk about God, you are talking about Jesus. Jesus is not just one emanation, one messenger of God, but He is God Himself. And creation exists because of Jesus Christ. And as this city is wrestling with the decline of their their wealth, the decline of their city, and they're trying to understand why all of this is happening, and they think it's because God has deserted. So it's not that Jesus has has created this and then he left. But Paul says that all things are held together by Jesus in him. Have you heard of laminins? Laminins is a family of proteins. It is microscopic. And scientists tell us that it is a part of the, the 
the building block of almost every animal tissue that exists. It is literally what holds one cell to another. And whenever they have taken images of laminins and you have a, a, an image on the screen, it loosely resembles the image of a cross. Now, I want to be very careful here. I, I'm not suggesting that, that God created this protein that, that is literally the building block of all of life and holds it all together. And he did it in the shape of a cross so that we would see Christ. Now, I, I think God could do that if he wanted to. I'm just not sure that he did. But what I am trying to do through this is to show you that this is an image of the function that Jesus Christ serves in in this world and in us without us ever being aware of it. That life is not independent of Jesus. Even those who do not acknowledge Jesus exists or who are vehemently opposed to Him, they are dependent upon Him. Sometimes He works in ways that we can explain. A number of years ago, I had LASIK eye surgery. And as I was getting prepped for that surgery, the nurses were kind of making conversation and they asked uh, what I do for a living. And I, I told them that I was a preacher. And one of the nurses says, oh, well, we are all Christians here in this office and the doctor is a Christian. Would you mind if the doctor said a prayer with you before the surgery? I said, no, I, I wouldn't mind. And so the doctor, as I am laying flat on this bed and they are locking the instruments into place, he begins praying that God would provide healing and restore the sight in my eyes. And my first response was, now wait a minute, doctor, I'm paying you a lot of money to restore my sight and to bring healing to my eyes. But as I thought about it a little bit more, I started to realize that this doctor was acknowledging that even though he could explain what he was doing, even though he understood and could explain the inner workings of the human eye, it did not remove the fact that God was at work in his work. That science does not exist apart from creation, apart from God. Those are not opposed, but in fact, they exist jointly together because God is a God of order. And we can study it. We can, we can try and understand it because we have a God who is Lord of creation. And sometimes Jesus works as a Lord of creation in ways that, that we simply can't explain. One of the ways that that Jesus works that, that I, I wrestle with, that I, I can't fully explain to you, is, is how is it that Jesus is God? That this God that is powerful enough to, to create all things, that He is big enough to, to hold all things in His hands, and yet He is finite enough to, to be confined into to skin, and bones. I can't explain that. I, I don't know that I can really understand that. 
And yet Paul says that God was pleased in verse 19 to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. But I am thankful that that I don't have to understand every way that God works for him to work. Because if it was dependent upon my ability to understand, then we would miss out on the second truth of the simple gospel. That Jesus is the Lord of new creation. That Jesus is the the beginning of something new. The cross was the beginning of an act to reconcile heaven and earth. That through the the cross, Jesus demonstrated that He is doing something new. Later on in chapter 2, Paul will say this, beginning in verse 13, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Very few would have noticed whenever a, a poor man was crucified outside Jerusalem in between two other criminals. But that act, Paul says, God was, was using it to disor- disarm all the powers. This, this act that, that demonstrated the power of Rome and Jesus is saying, this is no power at all. I love the way that Eugene Peterson paraphrases chapter 1, verse 20. As he talks about that, that God is, is pleased to, to dwell in Jesus and that it's through Jesus that all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of His death, His blood that poured down from the cross. Such a beautiful picture that every thing of creation is being restored in Christ. Every part of creation that has been damaged by sin, that it is going to be touched by grace. Joni Erickson Tata is uh, an inspirational woman. She has been a quadriplegic since uh, being a teenager as a result of a, a diving accident. She has spent most of her life pouring into other people and giving them hope. And one of the, the activities that she's involved in is uh, family camps for children who are disabled. And it was following one of these family camps that, that some of the mothers got together and they all pitched in to give Joni Erickson Tata a present. And they presented her with a present of some red, bright red 
high top shoes. That would seem like a bit of a strange present to give a quadriplegic, but they told her that these were her dancing shoes. And as she lay in bed that night, falling asleep, she said, you know, God, that's right. That one day, this broken body, it's going to be restored and I will be dancing. And it is through Jesus that we get this shout of affirmation that everything that is sad in this world is going to come untrue. Everything is going to be fixed. And this morning, I'm not going to spend most of my time trying to to convince you that this is something that, that happened in reality and historically. I'm going to assume that if you're here today, that that most of you, you you accept that. And this is an important discussion and we'll have it another time. But this morning, my concern is more that we do something with this belief. That we allow this belief in the simple gospel to somehow transform the way that we live. Because as one of my professors once wrote, that, that if we believe that the resurrection really occurred but do not reflect that reality in our daily lives, then as the Apostle Paul says, we are of all people most to be pitied. You heard Melvin read Colossians 2, verse 6 previously. So then just as you have received Christ Jesus, Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. And so, I want to leave you with four expressions of this simple gospel that can be lived out every single day in our lives. The first expression is that if Christ is the Creator of all things, if He is the one that holds all things together, then I find my fullness in Christ alone. In Colossians 2, verse 10, Paul says, it's in Christ you have been brought to fullness. This means that that meaning, purpose, satisfaction, wholeness, and happiness can only be found, truly found, in Jesus Christ. You will never find this in your your wife, in your husband, in your kids, or in your title, in your paycheck, the house that you own, the car you drive, or anything else. Fullness can only be found in Jesus. And if that's so, then that must become our greatest pursuit. A second expression is that the resurrection should inspire my actions in this world. Colossians 2, verse 20. Paul says that you have died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, so why 
Do you still live as though you belonged to the world and submit to its rules? If we believe that the cross and the resurrection is this dramatic turning point in history in which Christ is doing something new and He is bringing about a reconciliation of all things, then the way that we live in this world should be inspired by the death, burial, and resurrection. Throughout various points in Christian history, there have been uh, times whenever we have focused on being ascetic Christians, that is, self-discipline and kind of uh, refraining from some of the, the pleasures of life. But as one early 20th century theologian noted that the problem with that is that whenever you, you live that way, what you're doing is you are calling the world evil and withdrawing from it. And what, the, what humanity is waiting on is a revolutionary Christianity which will call the world evil and change it. As the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must think deeply about what it means to care for the creation that this Lord created and called good. We must look at the way that Jesus lived in the world and begin to pursue the things that He pursued. If He is the head of the church, and it is in the church that He displays His supremacy over all things, then the church must make priority what Jesus made priority. The church should be at the forefront of discussions of racial reconciliation. We must be leaders in, in how women and children and the elderly are treated. Because our business and our relational ethics should be inspired by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The third expression of the simple gospel is that my hope can never be shaken. If all the things in heaven and on earth, both the visible and the invisible, have been created by Him, whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or creator, or, or excuse me, or authorities, then He has no equal. There is no political party. There is no political leader, no matter how competent you may think they are or how incompetent you may think they are, that can threaten the kingdom of God. Because Christ has no equal. A fourth expression is that I can be confident in His ability to sustain me if He can sustain the entire world. What I find most interesting about the way that Paul writes so often is that, that he talks about great hope and joy, and yet so often, as is the case with this letter, 
Paul is writing while he is in prison. He's writing about the reconciliation of all things, and he says that this has been happen- This has taken place now because Christ has done it now. And then look at verse 24 of chapter 1 as Paul says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering. That seems so disconnected, doesn't it? That now the simple gospel has been put into place that that Christ has restored all things and yet now I'm sitting in prison. Now I'm suffering. But isn't it true that, that so many times the now of the new creation feels so distant from your now? Know that John the Baptist, the relative of Jesus, felt that way. Remember, John the Baptist was the one that, that kind of prepared the way for Jesus. He pointed people to Jesus as the Savior of the world. He's the one that, that baptized Jesus. He was there whenever the Spirit descended on Jesus and, and heard the voice of God proclaim that there's something unique about this man. And yet, while John the Baptist is in prison, because he has spoken out against the powers and authorities, he begins to wrestle with. Why does the now of the new creation feel so distant from my now? So he sends some people to go and ask Jesus for some affirmation, some confirmation that, that what he has pursued all of his life is true. And Jesus begins to quote from some prophecies that the, the blind see, the lame are walking, the deaf hear. And Jesus, His affirmation is special, not so much in what He says to John, but in what He doesn't say. Because He quotes from Isaiah 61, verse 1, as one of those passages, but He leaves off the end of the verse. Because the end of the verse says that those who are in prison are going to be set free. Those who are enchained in the darkness are going to see light. And it's almost as if Jesus is saying, John, you're not getting out. But it doesn't change that all of this is coming true. Lenin, the great revolutionist of Russia, used to lie in a crystal casket in the center of Red Square in Moscow. There were millions of people that would line up just for the opportunity to to show their respect and pay homage to this great leader. And inscribed on the casket are these words. He was the greatest leader of all peoples, of all countries, of all times. He was Lord of the new humanity. He was Savior of the world. He may have been a great leader, but there is one problem with that inscription. He's dead. He's in a casket. How can He be Lord of all humanity? How can He be Savior of the world if He is dead? 
The simple gospel that we believe in, the simple gospel that we try to live out is not hope in a dead man. Our hope resides in a Lord who is raised. And no matter how distant your now may feel like from the now of the new creation, the simple gospel gives hope and assurance that you have not been abandoned. That Jesus is still in control. He is still sustaining all things. Andy Stanley has been quoted as saying that if any man can predict his own death and resurrection and do it, I'm going to go along with whatever he says. And that's what I'm asking you to do this morning. To allow the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, that He is Lord of creation and the Lord of new creation. And for you to go with that. I want to provide you an opportunity this morning for you to go with that. We're going to continue to sing, and if you would like to request prayers, or maybe you would like to go with Jesus by by being immersed into Him, by being baptized. We can do that this morning. You can come to the front or there will be elders at the back to welcome you and to receive you, to pray with you. Why don't you come as we stand and worship together.